Hey, everybody. This is a special episode of The Real Narcos talking about The Real Narcos. With season three coming up, the final episode of Narcos on Netflix, we thought we might just release a little bit of a tidbit of what we're doing behind the scenes with The Real DEA Narcos talking about The Real DEA Narcos, what seasons one and two were based on. Steve Murphy, my co-host, and Javier Pena, our special agent in residence. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Pablo has now escaped, and how does the manhunt begin? We thought we'd give you the inside scoop so that you can see what else is on the inside when you get done listening to this episode. Stay tuned. Okay, everybody, welcome back, amigos, amigas. Bienvenidos to episode six, seis. As they say in Espanol, my Espanol is perfecto, right? No, I still need more practice, I think. Spanglish. So, Spanglish. Hey, I don't sound, I don't have that West Virginia hillbilly accent you have in your Spanglish. Adios, senor. Well, you can keep practicing. Maybe one one day you'll perfect it, you know? You got to work on it. (laughs) Hey, listen to this the way it rolls off my tongue. Direccional Nacionalidad de Stupefacientes. Is that not good, JP? Was that not good? Perfect. Wow, that that is. I thought you're a native Colombian, buddy. Uh, Don't don't feed that ego, JP. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that was one of the agencies. Now, hey, real quickly as we get started, um, was DNA one of the agencies you worked with down there, or were they – because I think if I remember right, DNA was kind of a combination, sort of like not quite DEA and Marshalls together. I mean, they were kind of like another investigative agency. Yeah, perfect. It was the precursor, narcotic, the chemicals, all that sort of thing. It was the uh, DEA, what, like a diversion, uh, our diversion uh, program. Okay. Going after the pharmaceuticals, right? Yeah, that's yeah. where they that's where they sent the uh, novices that did another butt from a hole in the ground. So uh, we didn't work with them too much. You did. <laughs> <laughs> and I brought them up to a level of excellence never achieved in any other organization. Thank you very much for that, All Steve. Right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Benada, uh, uh, as they say. All right. Hey, well, okay, let's get into this. This is going to be episode six. And the reason we're starting here today is now, remember, we brought everything up. And um, JP and Murph, they both have wet their pants because Pablo has escaped and we're ready to get in the game now. You know, so now it's about getting in the game. Now it's about doing this. So my question is, let's uh, start off with you on this one, Murph. We know that we started, we know that you guys, uh, Joe Toff brought you in. He said, hey, I need you guys to go up there. You pack your bag, you arrive at La Catedral. Let's tell everybody, when you arrived there, what did it take to get there and your initial trek into La Catedral? What did that look like? What was the surroundings? What was it like when you actually were feet on the ground? How far did you have to walk? You know, give us the lowdown on the laydown. You got it, buddy. So we would fly into Rio Negro Airport on the DEA aircraft, and and that Rio Negro is outside the city of Medellin, but they would send the uh, Huey helicopter gunships to pick us up, and that's the the old-style Vietnam-era type helicopters that had the 30-caliber machine guns on each side and the doorways. From there, from the airport, we would fly into the Carlos Holguin School. Now, the landing pad (laughs) was a field surrounded by trees. So your gunners, as you're coming in for a landing, it, it was pretty tight. So the gunners, the Columbia National Police officers, would have to hang out the doors and watch the rotor on the back end to make sure we weren't clipping trees as we were landing. And this happened on every time we went out, day after day after day for you know a year and a half. Uh, so that was a little bit eye-opening uh, to Did see that. you ever clip a tree? Uh, maybe a few leaves and, <laughs> and some small limbs, but uh, nothing major. 
Um, and then, so then we, you know, we got off there and we, and we spoke to everybody who was in charge and, um, and then back on the helos and we flew over to, uh, Pablo's prison, the cathedral. So coming in, that's, uh, above the city of Envigado and Envigado is, a uh, Envigado and Itaui are suburbs of Medellin. So it's, it's just like a U.S. city. It's got the suburbs and that particular area is very mountainous. But there were, you know, plenty of places, uh, flat places up there to land the helicopter. But it gave you a great aerial view of the prison as you're coming in. You know, you kind of get a layout of the land. You can see the perimeter fence encircling the the compound. Uh, And, of course, at that time, we didn't know what any of the buildings were. But once we landed, you know, we got off and I think we had to walk over to the prison, which was about a half mile. And uh, we go through the front gate, and that's how our little adventure began. All right. So when so uh, JP walking up now now let me ask Murph were you and JP together in the helicopter did you both get uh, there at the same time? Yes, that first time. Yes. Okay. So JP, this question is for you. As you're walking up there, first time you've ever set foot and laid eyes technically on La Catedral, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. It and the first time and, and like she said, we walked and the first building out there was sort of a. Uh, camp for the uh, prison guards. They had like a house uh, in front of La Catedral. It, I always remember that house. It was sort of a guard house, but it was kind of big. Everybody had to go in through there, you know, before going into the prison. So, but obviously we were there after the escape. So I remember walking, and once you start getting close to it, it started making sense in that it didn't look like uh it it just looked like dormitories if i can uh, recall that like a dormitory style style look and then once you walked in it was like man this is no prison and uh, like we said before there was one set of bars but it was just so they could show the public but it was just uh you know it was a facade then Remember the first structure, like I said, there was a, a cafeteria, I mean, you know, uh, where they were cooking, dining hall. Then uh, Pablo's little apartment house, which had a, a great view of the city of Medellin. And there was a courtyard. And in the courtyard, there was uh, uh, the famous dollhouse he built for his uh, daughter. Pretty big (laughs) dollhouse. I think a person could fit in that dollhouse. Uh, But the view was just beautiful view, outstanding view of the city. And uh, I recall he had a telescope where he could look down at the city. It, It was something that was, you know, it was unbelievable the way they had structured it. And then once you reached the back, there were some more... And there were apartments. There was there was no jail cell in, in all this. Uh, some more. And then there was kind of weird. They had built some um, some some more apartments, but on the back of Pablo Escobar's main uh, main area. And this was for the other sicarios who were staying there. It was all in the same complex, but it 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 was like. Uh, uh, you know, building on to a building so you could see the structures. And uh, after that structure, you know, there, was, there was a famous soccer field, uh, which had uh, light poles. And, and the soccer field was sort of, we didn't under, I didn't understand, but it was a white shell 
of a floor, in other words, uh, but they were restructuring it, what they told us. <laughs> in other words, he was getting it re-sodded, uh, probably going to put some artificial uh, turf in there, which was brand new at this time. But it was all sorts of, uh, like I said, white rock, white shell for the... Uh, for the base of it, and I think they were going to put, you know, artificial turf on it. So, the, I mean, the the initial structure did not look anything like a prison. And like I said, uh, once once we got inside, started investigating, started finding out, uh, all he had was he would say, "What? This was no prison. This was a country <laughs> club, basically." So it, it, you know, it proved to everybody that Pablo Escobar was doing whatever he wanted. The hell he wanted to yeah. do. Right. Hey, Steve, between the time that this firefight started, you know, it was like 0400, and between the time, how long did it take from there till Joe Toff tells you, hey, I need you guys to pack a bag? And then from that point, how long did it take before you guys got there? So are we talking less than 24 hours, you know, half a day? How long did it take you before you arrived at uh, La Catedral? Well, that, that, uh, as soon as he escaped, you know, and, and I got to the embassy and Javier told me what had gone on. And of course, you know, the whole embassy is now starting to huddle. What's our, what's our strategy here? And and so forth. It wasn't very long at all before Mr. Toff came over to Javier and I was like, you guys pack a bag, you're heading to Medellin today. So it was the same day as the firefight. You know, the firefight was very, very early in the morning and we were there by the, I don't know, Javier. I guess what you say, maybe I think we got there by the afternoon because we were still able to get over to the prison that day before dark. Right, right. We got there right around noonish. Uh, but I remember, I remember Toff saying, "This has been authorized. Don't worry about it. They're waiting for you." So it made us like we said before. We weren't crashing in. We weren't you were invited. Uh, crashing yeah. the party. We were invited, and it was by the top government, Colombian and U.S. government officials. So let me ask you this, and Murph, let me start with you. When you walked up there, could you still smell? Uh, the after effects of the firefight, you know, like the gunpowder, the cordite, whatever what might have been used, did it smell or feel like there had been this gun bat this raging gun battle uh, you know, just hours earlier? I don't remember any of the smells and, and normally I would pick up on something like that just because I was a firearms instructor. Um and I mean you could see the damage windows had been shot out. Uh the police were already starting to knock down holes in the walls where um they thought there might be a coletta and mm -hmm. and most of them turned out to just be void spaces in the walls but um yeah there was there was evidence i don't remember seeing shell casings on the ground do you JP? that's what i was going to ask you you'd think after that there'd be a lot of brass laying around Right. They had already, you know, they, they, they had pretty much picked all that up. But like Steve said, we saw the broken glass uh, of the firefight. And, uh, but they were starting to, like I said, it was a, you know what, it was a very organized uh, search. Uh, and I remember the colonel who was there in charge of it was a guy by the name of Colonel Alonso Arango Salazar. And that we mentioned because he was our friend back in Bogota. So he <laughs> knew us, we knew him, and uh, so he was in charge, so he was letting us whatever we needed to do. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he was a good friend of DEA. He later 
aunt testified in the famous trial of a terrorist, uh, La Kika, who bombed uh, the Avianca airline. So he was in charge, so he let us pretty much do whatever we needed to do. So, Steve, how did you go about planning? So as you and Javier are going there, you know, what kind of things are you working on? How do you go about planning to say, hey, here's what we've got? Because a lot of this you're doing on the fly. So walk through now the process of how you're going to get organized, you know, what you're going to do. And when you hit the, obviously when you walk into the Catedral, what are some of the first investigative steps? What are some of the first things you, you think you need to do to start getting the intelligence in order to start going after Pablo? One of the first things we did was take photographs of everything, and that's just to create a, you know, a photographic history of where things were, where they were found, and so forth. Uh, we did not have a video camera on that trip. We took one back later, and I think, um, I think Javier Jaquez was with you on that one, Javier, wasn't he? And videotaped it for you where you narrated the whole tour. Um, our job primarily is to support the Columbia National Police, but what we also wanted to find out is we wanted to see, you know, what is this prison all about, which was just, it confirmed our, our suspicions, to be honest with you, but to see it firsthand, you're still dropping your jaw going, holy cow, they got a bar in here, they got a nightclub, I mean, Pablo Escobar's got a jacuzzi tub in his private bath, you know, things like that. Uh, but honestly, what we really wanted to see was the documentation that was laying around there, because that's how you identify the end, you know, the inner workings of an organization. Find out who's communicating with, how he was communicating. Uh, and that's when we found the the carrier pigeons. Um, so it was very, very basic there. The you know the, at the very beginning, and I think the next day Javier stayed up there for. Uh, several weeks after that, straight through, I flew back to the embassy so that we could report things. You know, uh, everything was done on teletypes back then. So you had to, uh, you know, we didn't have the, the capability of sending teletypes from Medellin, so we needed one of us in the, the embassy. We had uh, two intel analysts assigned to us, Vi Parrish and Lynn Shannon, uh, who were fantastic analysts. You know, I mean, just really did the, the smart things uh, hey, for the and investigation. Murph, would you a lot of people think analysts. It's not. We're not like talking about like psychiatrists. Not that kind of analyst. But when you say analysts, let people know. You know, DEA. What does an analyst do inside DEA? Are they sworn? Are they non-sworn? Uh, you know, what's their role? Right. So an intelligence analyst is a non-sworn uh, DEA employee. Uh, we like to say they're the brains and we're the brawn uh, when it comes to the agent and the, and the analyst. There's a lot of competition between the two, to be quite honest with you, because uh, as agents, we think we know everything and that we run. And quite honestly, agents are running the investigations. But the cool thing is, if you find an analyst that you can get along with, you know, and, and you kind of complement each other, there's no better team in the world than having an agent and an analyst that, you know, that are working towards the same goal. Uh, and we were lucky in that Vine and Lynn were focused on what we needed them to do. Uh, they, they were a real asset for us. But... Um, we, when it came to writing cables, I guess Javier and I were a little picky about the way things were worded and the relationships. And, you know, we wanted, like, when I'd write a cable, I'd talk to people in headquarters and they would say, we can't wait to get the next cable from you and Javier because you guys, this is like a story and we're waiting on the next chapter to come in because you guys explained what led up to the incident, who, how everybody's related in the incident, what happened in the incident, and then what action is being taken. Well, it, it wasn't we were trying to write a book. It just made sense to us that you do it chronologically, and it's a oh, lot easier to understand. And, and these were all classified cables, I would assume?
Thanks for hanging in there with us. This is just a small sample of what's on the inside of patreon.com slash game of crimes. We've got 12 episodes with the agents who Netflix made this hit series Narcos about, the real story about the takedown of Pablo Escobar. We're the only place where we go this in-depth, get details that have never made it into print, never made it onto film, never made it even into the Netflix series. You're only going to hear those things here. So we've got 12 exciting episodes. This was just part of it. This was when Pablo escaped for the second time. So if you want to hear the whole story and hear the other great content we have, go to patreon.com slash game of crimes. Join today. I promise you. You will get more than what you pay for, and we've got stuff nobody else in the world has except right here, patreon.com slash game of crimes. 